Welcome to The Greek Current, a podcast by Halk and Kathy Merini. I'm your host, Thanos Davelis. Cyprus is lodging a complaint to the United Nations over Turkey's new financial assistance deal with Turkish Cypriots and over Turkey's decision to designate the Turkish Cypriots' unrecognized main airport as a domestic flight route, effectively turning it into a Turkish one. There is a fear among Turkish Cypriots as well that both the financial deal and the airport designation are the clearest signals yet that Turkey wants to eventually annex the occupied northern part of Cyprus. Nicholas Danforth, a non-resident senior research fellow at the Hellenic Foundation for European and Foreign Policy, joins me to break this down. Nicholas, welcome back on The Greek Current. Thank you. Great to be back. Nicholas, President Nikos Anastasiadis said Cyprus is lodging a complaint with the United Nations over Turkey's new financial assistance deal with the Turkish Cypriots, which he said demonstrates Ankara's quote-unquote complete control over them. Why is this deal raising alarms in Cyprus? Since Northern Cyprus' 2020 elections, when Ankara intervened in a very heavy-handed way to make sure its preferred candidate won, there have been increasing concerns about the Turkish government consolidating its control over the north. This most recent protocol not only gives Ankara more control over how money is spent, Northern Cyprus was always dependent on Ankara for money, this gives them more control over that. It gives Turkish investors a freer hand on the island, uh, increases Ankara's role in the religious life on the island, and also makes it easier for Ankara to extend the kind of censorship and suppression of free speech that it's engaged in within Turkey itself in the north, which has always been a little bit freer in that regard. You know, this is alarming because it confirms the warnings that people have been issuing since 2004. Observers said that with the failure of the Anon plan, that put the island on the path to permanent division. Uh, and we're seeing those warnings come true. If the calculation on the Greek Cypriot side was that by rejecting the Anon plan, by keeping Northern Cyprus permanently isolated from the rest of the world, I would allow them to pursue reunification on better terms. Uh, it seems the opposite has happened. Northern Cyprus, you know, again, without any access to the rest of the world, has come increasingly under Turkey's control. And this was something that's been, you know, it's a great deal of concern for Turkish Cypriots themselves. This is why many of them voted for the Anon plan. Uh, they ultimately don't want to be a colony of Turkey. And yet, given the lack of options available to them, that's what's happening. Can you talk about how Turkish Cypriots are reacting to, you know, this latest deal? I mean, it's, as I say, it continues and enhances the frustrations that, you know, have been in place for years, but again, particularly with the last election, you know, really took hold. There's enormous frustration, there's enormous despair amongst the Turkish Cypriots precisely because, you know, they don't feel like the Greek Cypriots want to share the island with them. They don't feel like Turkey wants to support their independence. They suffer from all of the economic troubles that Turkey is going through on account of the currency in particular. You know, they're beholden to a government, you know, the Erdogan government that they don't particularly like. You know, in my experience on the northern half of the island recently talking to them, again, they're just enormous frustration with, with everyone, really. Nicholas, Turkey has also moved to designate the Turkish Cypriots' unrecognized main airport as a domestic Turkish flight route. There's also been rumors about, you know, Ankara moving towards annexation. Is this a sign that Ankara is going in that direction? Right. And I was really shocked when I was on the island to talk to credible voices on the northern half of the island who were deeply worried about the possibility that Erdogan would formally annex it before his upcoming 2023 elections. You know, you've always had this perspective from Turkey that despite insisting northern Cyprus is an independent entity, 
you know, that obviously the Turkish government doesn't actually believe that and continues to treat the island as a kind of a subset of Turkey. You know, so in that sense, right, moving away from the fiction of Northern Cypriot independence by doing things like uh, recategorizing air routes to the island fits with this approach. And, you know, again, certainly gives some credence to what I hope is still a far-fetched possibility about formal annexation. A move by Ankara to annex you know, the occupied northern part of Cyprus would create serious problems with not only the European Union, but also the United States. Do you think Turkey would really take such a step? It's really difficult to imagine. But then again, a lot of the steps that Turkey has taken in the last couple of years have been difficult to imagine. You know, part of Erdogan's success as a politician has been doing things, has been taking steps that people don't actually think he's able to take. And if he's politically desperate, if he really needs something to rally his base before the election, if he calculates that the EU won't respond as strongly as they threaten, or that if he calculates that the response uh, will be one that would actually help him politically, you know, if he's decided that the economy is a lost cause and isn't as worried about sanctions anymore, then again, I, I don't want to predict this. I don't think it's necessarily going to happen. I think the odds are still, thankfully, against it. But, you know, unfortunately, we've entered a stage of Turkish politics where it's very difficult to rule anything out. There's long been the hope that the U.S. and the EU would be able to use their diplomatic leverage to help reach a solution on Cyprus. Do you see, you know, Washington or Brussels, one, as willing to spend the diplomatic capital and two, as even having that leverage today vis-a-vis Turkey? And that's what makes the situation even more discouraging. It's really difficult to imagine the United States being willing or able to play the role that uh, many people on the island still hope that it will play. <laughs> the issue, of course, is that people in the north think that the U.S. could play a constructive role by putting more pressure on the south. People in the south think the U.S. could play a constructive role by putting more pressure on Turkey. I don't think the United States has as much leverage with Turkey uh, as some people might hope it has. And I don't think the United States is willing to use the leverage that it might have on the south. You know, the problem is, I think policymakers in Washington have Many other people given up hope for a solution on the island. They're not inclined to waste diplomatic capital on it. If anything, since the failure of Crans Montana, the United States has intensified its relationship with the Republic of Cyprus, and that it seems the steps that Cyprus is taking in response to the invasion of Ukraine by further cutting ties with Russia is going to facilitate that process. There was some hope in the North that maybe the need to revive a gas deal involving Israel and Turkey could create an incentive for the United States to try to solve the problem. Again, I don't think that's the view in Washington at all. So again, right, we have the already existing impasse coupled with, you know, a lack of vision or will on Washington's part to try to solve this problem. And I think that is a risk because for all the reasons we've talked about, this is something that is only going to get worse. If the hope is that it will kind of stay, the status quo will stay forever. I don't think that's terribly realistic. And as bad as relations are between Turkey and the West, between the U.S. and Turkey, Right now, you know, if Ankara moves ahead with a lot of the steps that we're talking about, that could really consolidate some of the problems that we're seeing right now uh, and worsen them in the long run. Turkey has taken provocative steps recently to illegally reopen parts of Varosha, which the EU and the U.S. have called them out for, and has also been pushing for a two-state solution on the island. Is Turkey effectively shutting any door that may have been open for peace talks with these moves? I don't think the door was open anymore. I mean, that's the problem. And that's the situation that I don't think anyone's really been willing to confront. I mean, yes, the move on Varosha is unfortunate. It's provocative. The hope for years was that Varosha could be part of a confidence building measure that would enable Erdogan Airport to have more access to the rest of the world in return for 
Greek Cypriots to return to Varosha. You know, again, it's just, it's hard to emphasize after the failure of the Anand plan, after the failure of Crans Montana, you know, there's not much hope for a solution. And I don't think that justifies the steps that Turkey is taking. But this is the direction people predicted things were going to go. Do you see these broader developments in Cyprus as linked to tensions which have been escalating over the last weeks and months in the Eastern Mediterranean and the Aegean with Greece? I think they come from the same mindset. They come from the same approach to dealing with Turkey's relations with its neighbors, whether these specifically are linked. You know, I mean, I said the trend in Cyprus towards Ankara consolidating its power, pushing for, you know, be it annexation or two-state solution, some alternative to reunification. You know, that track has been going on. The intensification of or the escalation with Greece you know, that does seem much more linked to the specifics of Mitsotakis's visit to Washington and Ankara's, you know, anger, desire to push back against the growing strength of U.S. Greek ties. Nicholas, thanks for joining us again on The Greek Current. Always great speaking with you. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. In other news, Greece has sent a total of two letters to the UN Secretary General rejecting the entirety of Turkey's arguments about the status of the Greek islands in the Aegean, Greek diplomatic sources said on Tuesday. In the two letters to the Secretary General, Greece's permanent representative to the UN refutes Turkey's arguments as legally unsustainable, having clearly revisionist motives, and further fueling the instability Turkey creates with its actions. Athens was responding to statements by Turkish Foreign Minister Mevlut Cavusoglu, who said that if Greece does not demilitarize its eastern Aegean islands, then the sovereignty of the islands will be raised for discussion. Finally, according to Politico, Ukraine says it has not yet reached any agreement with Russia or Turkey to allow the safe passage of its grain ships in the Black Sea, injecting skepticism into a push by the UN to create a vital food corridor. The warning comes on the eve of a round of talks brokered by Turkey to demine Ukraine's Black Sea ports and prevent a mounting global food crisis that has been severely worsened by Russia's naval blockade. Turkey and Russia's foreign ministers will meet in Ankara on Wednesday for talks on UN-led efforts to open a safe corridor for Ukrainian grain shipments and on Syria. In a statement, Ukraine's Ministry of Foreign Affairs said Kyiv will reject any agreements that do not take into account the interests of Ukraine. That wraps up today's episode of The Greek Current. Thanks for tuning in.